0: Everybody, and welcome to another episode of NTG NTT, Rants. I'm Tannen Grace, as always, joined by Ross Miriam. I'm a tiny bit under the weather, so please excuse me if I uh, fumble a little bit on this show. But it is what's the date today? The 11th. It's Monday, December 11th. Uh, it's about three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon for Ross. Uh, it's the week before RC Atlantis, so I'll be leaving on Friday to go to that. Did you make a decision on vinyl? If you're going to go or not?
1: I'm, I'm staying home. I got you're staying it. home. Smart yeah. man. I'm. I'm... Going back home for the holidays next mm-hmm. Wednesday, so I just didn't want to have a, a, such a quick turnaround. Yeah,
0: it's like a lot to deal with. Yeah, yes, yeah. smart man, smart man. Um, on this episode, we're going to be going back in time yet again. Uh, kind of one of our, what, what do we kind of like nickname? I've it? been
1: calling them flashback episodes.
0: Yeah, kind of like our flashback episode. And if you uh, if you haven't listened to the last one, I think it was two episodes ago on the <clears throat> on the podcast. You missed a good bit of like. The early days of Magic for me and Ross, we went through the 90s and like early 2000s, and that's where we're going to pick back up, and I, sh- I should have actually listened to the last episode to figure out exactly where we left off, but I, r- I remember I told the story of like my first draft, like drafting, and I got yelled at, you know, it was like a team draft, and I was just like, I don't ever want to do the skin, et cetera, et cetera, and that was in like the Onset Legion Scourge era, and I had kind of started to get into uh,
1: Magic and like making competitive decks. And stuff yeah. at that time. That's, a, that's about the time that I was getting into it as well. So I, I got... My my F&Ms at my local store were unsanctioned. Right? Okay. Ours so, were sanctioned, but yeah. Yeah. So I didn't get a DCI card until after it, I had been playing for a while. I got it in, I remember, May of 2003. The physical, the physical
0: card, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah, I, had, I remember I had.
1: They used to... Remember the player rewards programs? They used to send yeah. like the, the nice hard plastic ones? Yep. Yeah. I had like four or five of them. I think I just threw them away yeah. like five years ago
0: we did you have a pretty short number i had a pretty short number relatively
1: and mine mine was eight digits
0: yeah mine I might have been like seven or six i can't remember but uh i know that there was a guy like six nine six
1: two seven nine five six baby
0: yeah mine was something very similar in the fact that it was like it was like three numbers like six times you know but Mm -hmm. um we had a localish guy to us he lived out in mississippi and he would come over for like ptq stuff i liked him a lot he had i think a three number dci card really play Magic, yeah. He was like four hundred and fifteen or something, you know what I mean, or three hundred and twelve, or you know what I mean, like yeah. He was one of the first players, period. He used to like write for the newsletter and stuff. Uh, his name was John Clock, really, really cool guy. Uh, big, big fan of his. Old school guy, a lot like us and stuff. So, yeah. um, let's just go ahead and kind of like move into it. So, like you know, we're we're coming out of Onslaught, Legions, and Scourge. We're going into Mirrodin, Darksteel, and Fifth Dawn, and this is like where it really starts for me to get into competitive magic and like i kind of like told this if you listen to our show a lot you've heard me talk about like i was very lucky in the friends that i made at this time i didn't realize this and i didn't realize it until the next set came out because this is when i started hanging out with them i didn't realize that they were just all the best players of state other than tom ross which no one knew who tom ross was yet we like we hadn't figured it out he hadn't really like he'd start like started around this time to like start crushing things you yeah know? but in you know south louisiana and mirrodin comes out and I, would, I had been getting into Magic for like a year, maybe more. You know, I was getting a big collection, I was trading a lot, buying and selling cards and stuff. And I remember this very, very clearly. Mirrodin was the first time that I ever specced on a Magic card very heavily. And boy, did I get crushed on it, Ross. <laughs> can, can you guess what it was? Um, Mirrodin
1: card that you specked on... Because when we
0: saw it, we all freaked out.
1: Maybe... Oof
0: what you want it you want a hint it'll it'll narrow down a tiny bit yeah yeah i'll it's, take it it's it's an artifact <laughs> it's, it's an, <laughs> an artifact set
1: was it um extra planar lens it was solemn
0: simulacrum oh uh, okay because you know this was the this was the what do they call it the invitational award for yen yeah it was the invitational
1: you know, card for a yen store and
0: sad, yeah. sad and so uh me and a bunch of all of us were like this card is going to define standard it's absurd we've never seen like a Ram spell blocker plus like card advantage engine like this before yeah and we weren't exactly wrong the card is extremely powerful and extremely good for its time we just didn't know what else was going to happen in that set that made that card unplayable because this this format was way too fast and you know we saw that with the amount of bannings that would go on throughout this entire block
1: Yeah, well, there were a lot of powerful cards in that block that didn't really see any time in the sun in standard because of the dominance of Ardbine Ravager.
0: Yeah, like I remember Videlkin Shackles was in Fifth Dawn in this, and like it didn't even get played at all. And it became that it was very, very powerful. Like in the early days of like Extended and and stuff, it was like an extremely uh, dominant card and all that stuff. But Mirrodin, we got our first glimpse of uh, Affinity. You know, Affinity for Artifacts. And the deck was good. It was really good. And then Darksteel comes out, and Darksteel had uh, Skullclamp,
1: right? Yes, Darksteel, Skullclamp, and Ravager, and Disciple. And, and Disciple. <laughs> I Wait, remember... Was Disciple
0: in Mirrodin, <laughs> or was Disciple in Darksteel as well? Uh,
1: oh, no, Disciple's Mirrodin,
0: you're right. Because um, that card was, like, one of the... Bi- that, that card was actually one of the problems. That and the lands were just, yeah. like, actual
1: problems. But anyway, because you know, the... It wasn't like Affinity was dominant from day one. No. It was... It was like, the, there was, was a blue star deck. affinity yeah the, with lightning f- greaves yeah <laughs> in the fall format um which was one of the better one of the best decks but not a dominant deck mm-hmm. it was that uh goblins and azorius control
0: yeah goblins you had different versions of goblins too you had goblins and then you had goblin bidding as yeah, well bidding was, was generally, generally
1: the better version mono red was actually good. better in the mirror because bidding is terrible in the mirror it's actually it's mm-hmm. symmetric um
0: Believe it or not, I actually attribute the genesis of the goblin bidding deck to one of my local players. It was the first time any of us had ever seen it. One of the guys that played with us at the time who was extremely good and really good at deck building, he came up with it. And him and another guy, they went to like a GP or something. They both, like, I think top sixteen with it, and like no one had ever seen it before. And then, you know, the deck kinda it got found or whatever. Anyway, they started playing yeah. online, etc.
1: But uh me you know, my first foray comes a, a little bit before um, before Mirrodin, because May of 03 would have been right as Scourge was being released. Okay. So this is the the last days of Odyssey block in Standard. So I played Blue Green Madness at Regionals. And this is, you know, they did Regionals for many years, and they were huge events, and then they sort of split them up and made it more total Regionals, but they were smaller for sure. a couple years, and then they got rid of it. But this was like the road to Nationals, and then Nationals could get you to Worlds, and um, you know, it was a pretty big event, uh, especially for standard, because you really didn't play a ton of standard back in these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did, yeah, but. yeah. Uh, but like because there, there were no standard PTQs, it was all mm-hmm. limited block and extended. I
0: was a big fan of block. I kind of miss it, which we'll yeah. get into. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to it on this show, but very soon. There's a big block thing coming up.
1: But uh, you know the the only reason I was able to go because I'm 14 at this point. And I had started playing Magic and and going to F and M with some friends of mine. Um, you know, my friend Ben, his mother would drive us there to the store on Fridays, and then my dad would pick everyone pick up and up. drop yeah. them off at two in the morning. Yeah. Um, and we all lived like relatively close to each other within Middletown. Papa uh, Marion was the real MVP. Let's yeah, be real. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's true. Uh, so, but obviously, like the uh, regionals was in Boston some um, my dad's so how, not driving how, us how, how about how far is that for y'all this time uh, like an hour and a half maybe okay. a little more there's some I, traffic
0: I, I don't I don't know the region very well <laughs> yeah
1: it's 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 not that far in terms of like magic driving but for like a parent to be like yeah we'll drive you there like that's not happening but what Ben did because some uh everyone else was a year older than me so I was I would have been uh may of 3 I would have been a freshman and they were sophomores. So they're starting. They're in that phase where they're starting to think about where they're going to go to college. And Ben's mom, in particular, wanted him to be more dedicated to thinking about that, uh, as parents often are. And he, Ben, knowing this, exploited it and said, uh, and his mother agreed to drive us there on Friday. And then we'd get a hotel for one night if we spent Friday touring colleges.
0: Okay, so they get they get to the kind of like yeah in their mind they make the trip worthwhile, sure.
1: Yes. So we did we did three college tours that Friday. It was uh it was Brandeis, MIT, and Tufts. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is I've actually I've heard of these. Yeah. Uh so and obviously like none of us really cared. We were just there to placate Ben's mom. Yeah, of And course. so she, she drove us to got the hotel for the night and then uh, we played the tournament the next day. I was actually forced. I wanted to just play every round because it was yep. my first tournament. Yep. I was five. It was ten rounds of Swiss and no cut. So back then, what regionals used to be, it was they did Swiss plus one. So the normal number of rounds you have plus one extra, and then just the top eight after that was went to nationals, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was five and four going into round ten, and um, and then. Uh, like, wanted to play around 10, and they just, like, made me leave because uh, everybody else was dead, and his mom wanted to leave to, like, get back home, and so uh, I thought I had gone 5-5. Years later, when we got our, like, Planeswalker Point history on the website up, I checked it, and it was just a draw, so... Hmm. I don't know how that exactly happened. I guess my opponent didn't show up either. Was oh, so your opponent also didn't show? Yeah. It's but like I f- didn't get reported. I would yeah, think that's guessing... supposed to be and put it as a double loss. But maybe, maybe were the things cool. were different in know. 2003. Yeah. Um so technically I went 5-4-1 and finished with a winning record with my my bluegrid Madness deck. I literally just copied a Jeff Cunningham's list and spent the drive up to Boston with a print a printout of his article because it's 2003. Just looking at his sideboard guide and memorizing it for the tournament, and mm-hmm. so that was my first like. B- See you know, Ben Bolice? No, Jeff Cunningham.
0: Oh, Jeff Cunningham. These said Ben Bolice. For some reason, I heard Ben Bolice Jeff Cunningham back then. I think he was the first writer that I really got into. I was like, I, I was like, I'm not missing an
1: article yeah. from from Jeff Cunningham. But to give it, just to give some idea of how different times were then, so. This was an era when trading on the floor was incredibly common. Mm-hmm. And almost everybody, like, had binders with them yep. of uh, trade stock. And they'd have, like, lists of cards they were looking for, like, on the front of it. And then some people even had just had, lit, like, would offer to buy cards from you. And then they just had the list out in the open. We hadn't mm-hmm. worked out with, like, the vendors, the, that sort of, like, exclusivity yeah. where we ban trading on the floor. That became commonplace pretty shortly afterwards. Back, backpack merchants, yeah. Yes, but... It was, uh, and I did, uh, you know, back then I was a walking scry magazine. I knew the like list Mm -hmm. price for every single card. Of course you did. And was, you know, constantly trading to build up my own collection because I couldn't spend a ton of money on cards. I didn't have any money to spend. So just that the, the entire atmosphere of seeing the vendors and seeing all the people there and all these side events people are doing and then playing in the main event, I was kind of hooked from, from day one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I got real hooked around this time. I remember, yeah. so a little older than you, I probably had more disposable income than you did. I think I had like a, you know, like a, one of the, like I, I'm trying to think of the jobs that I had late high school, early college. I like worked at a restaurant, like a golf course. Yes, yeah. you, could, you typical, could legally
1: work. <laughs>
0: yeah, like the the typical stuff, you know, and then, you know, you'd get magic cards and stuff, and I had some of my old ones so I could trade those, but I remember Mirrodin, and Dark Souls 5th Dawn happening. I remember playing in standard events and block events and Ravager being really good, and it would be, I don't know, fifty, sixty percent of the field in most of the events, you know, because people wanted to win. And I never played with it. I always played against it. I think I played (laughs) one tournament with it when it had Skullfamp Legal. And I was just like, I got it out of my system. I won like I won the thing very easily. You know, I just destroy everybody because like this card's messed up, like blah, blah, blah. And I just remember because like you weren't super like, obviously the deck was busted, right? And you could just lose to anyone playing it, but you were really scared of the people that like I don't know. I found the people that play the deck extremely fast, I would beat. And then the people who took their time with their turns and did all the math, and they'd make, like, the slightly weird play that's, like, subpar this turn, but it, it it gets, like, more incremental advantage and more damage yeah. down the road. Like, those are the people that I was scared of, where, like, when they knew to go all in on, like, their Ink Moth Nexus or something. You know, like, that Yeah, they like, the make out it. Out.
1: A, make their... Well, it was Blink Moth back then. Sorry, Blink but Moth But they just Nexus, knew, like, or, yeah. you know, you're 12, they just, like, make their Blink Moth a 6-6, attack you and yeah. say... Do you have an answer for it next turn yeah exactly
0: and i remember because like i remember this and this was the first deck that i fell in love with um i played a black and green deck during this time and the deck was literally just it was like jund it was just mono removal and a few threats right and to tell you how like for everybody at home may me if, if you have any magic history but you don't like really know affinity was oppressive like to the max it was it skewed the entire format so in my main deck, I remember we had four oxidized main in our deck. It's one green mana instant, destroy target artifact. It can't be regenerated. That's it. You play that. Played Teljahad Justice main. Do you remember what that one is Teljihad? Whatever. Teljihad Justice. Whatever. <laughs> whatever the name. <laughs> the of the very card is. different
1: card. Teljahad Justice. Tannen. Sure.
0: Uh, that was like a naturalized or whatever that scryed. You played reading shaman main, which is just you know uh, artifact monkey, whatever you, you want to call it. You know, it's just two and a green for. It was an elf. You know, it's a two two and it. It sh- yeah. it, sh- it naturalizes when it comes to Blahum play-
1: and said it shatters. Uh, but only shattered. Verdict shaman only, only shattered artifacts. Okay. It
0: right, only shattered. He played like
1: Mulder Slug. It was just like Utabi Orangutan. Yeah. A reference that our yeah. audience knows perfectly almost well.
0: Said, almost it's Sex Monkey, but I, I think a lot of people won't get that reference. I don't <laughs> want to think I'm just weirdly <laughs> saying the word Sex Monkey on this podcast. As we used to, because we used to call okay. that card Sex
1: Monkey back then. Oh, yeah. But, if you're not uh, sure, just Google Utabi Orangutan and you will know okay. exactly what Tannen is it. talking about. Yep,
0: you'll get it. <laughs> I won't run the surprise for you. Just look at the background. Yeah. But, okay. Um, <laughs> and then you had like Mulder Slug and all these other ways to interact with artifacts, and it still was not enough, Roth. Like, you would still die. And, like, it, had, like, Terror, I think, was uh, legal at the time, because you played Terror to, to yeah, kill... Yeah, Terror like, was like, in Yeah, we played Terror because, like, it would make you beat the red-green deck that was trying to beat them, because they had, like, archslogger and stuff, so you could kill their archslogger, And then you had what is still, to this day, one of my favorite cards of all time, Death Cloud. And that card can be definitive because it would just get all their permanents. You'd be like Death Cloud for three. They would just lose everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Death
1: Cloud's a nice one.
0: Yeah. And so like, I absolutely loved that deck. It was really weird. the a deck that ran both Death Cloud and Root Awakening and they weren't like a synergy type thing, but like somehow it just always worked because you were playing like Wayfarer's Bobbles Eternal Witnesses. Uh, you played like one or two Solemns and you were just putting things into play while killing their stuff. And uh,
1: you, you you just wanted just to unleash yeah. your inner Brennan. You yeah. just didn't know yet.
0: Well, my my inner soul Maka at the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, the Rock and his minions. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a, a small story about this because this one sticks out in me. This is one of the first moments I realized I had like a real big like level up moment. And um I remember I'm playing the tournament and I'm pretty deep in the tournament, I'm at like the top tables, and I'm playing against Affinity, and I'm gonna see if I get this exactly right. Hopefully everybody at home can get it. Um, and the guy I think we I think I used to mention this. We used to go over to my friend's house or his apartment. His name was Cannon not and Canon with a C. That was really annoying, but he had like three desktops in his in his living room, and we would like always have someone playing MTGO or poker on them, and then like one or two other people would have like laptops, and I would just sit there and watch, and I would just be like, hey, why'd you do that there? And they would explain it, and I'd be like, okay, and I would try to understand it, and like, you know, I'm yeah. just like sponging, I'm like Neo at the in the Matrix. Someone's like, I want more. Like they just keep plugging more, you know, programs into my brain. So like I'm learning all this stuff, and I'll never forget, like my opponent, like, it's early in the affinity game it's like his turn 2 it's like my turn 1 I have like a you know forest or whatever in play and he had turn 1 like workard or something I, like played something right then his turn 2 he like plays something plays his land for turn which he has like a random land let's say the white one and then he plays seeded cyanide which is the blue one right and he attacks me and he goes to attack me and I just tap my green and I, and I put it oxidized on the table and he grabs his creature and just puts it in the arm I'm like no 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 Hit your seat to the synod, and Cannon is watching it. As, and like Cannon is the most reserved person of all time, like super old school. If you told somebody a card that's in his deck, like we were drafting, I'm like, oh yeah, Cannon opened one of those, like a rare. He would get mad at you, like super old school. You know what I mean? And for and out the corner of my eye, I see him watching it, and he does a little fist pump and walks away. And I was like, oh, I must have made like a really good play or something like that. So I end up winning the game a few turns later, and uh. And like I saw, the guy kind of reacted when I killed the season. He like he slowly put the art. He was like, "Oh, you know, like, you know, yeah, the, And I, I asked Kanan later. I was like, yeah, "I saw the fist pump was out." Of it. He goes, "He had three thought casts in his hand, <laughs> and he was just gonna like go off, you know, like or whatever." Yeah. And so instead, you just stranded in his hand or whatever. And I was like, "Okay, like that's really cool." And like, there's little, you know, little things like that. And like, you know, timing your spells correctly. Like, you know, you get this is the thing you see like in legacy and like modern or like the more complicated the format is, the more it becomes important. And that's what I started realizing. I was like, "There's a lot to this game. I don't know." It to understand and i need to get better at it if i'm going to try to be competitive which going to the next set i was going to uh before we get finished the set so this set was wild to go through from start to finish i think it uh hurt magic a tiny bit overall like it uh really like lowered consumer confidence in the product uh we had to ban what was like five cards during this set from like standard and block so the stuff. the standard bans didn't happen until
1: Mirrodin almost rotated yeah. out, and they banned seven cards. They ba- yeah. Uh, well, they banned Clamp early, so that too. Yeah. And then it was like we got Clamp, was like... pretty quickly banned. And then at the very end, they finally disabled the ban hammer. They should have done months e- yeah. Earlier. Yeah. They a disciple, it, ravager, and the lands, right, or something like that. Yeah, it was disciple, ravager, and the five and art, the five, Ar- five non Citadel artifact lands. Yeah, so the, co- the five colored ones, citadel, so. yeah. So they banned seven cards towards the end of Mirrodin's life cycle. It was literally rotating like three months later, but they mm-hmm. did it right before Worlds. They wanted Worlds to be mm-hmm. not affinity-centered, yeah. I think. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I'd have to check on that, but I remember
0: there was like there was a reason for the timing other than
1: here, we'll let you cleanse your palate, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And um, now so- the biggest, that year, it was it was affinity in Worlds because that was the year Julian Newton won with Eternal Slide with four yeah. main deck verdian shaman as, as an actual child too by the yeah, way Yeah, he was 15 um so that was so they did it after worlds when it like was basically irrelevant nobody was even mm-hmm. playing standard you know that's the point where you would start like you know trading off all your standard cards that were rotating um and it was uh you know it would, it was just kind of comical that that's the mm-hmm. time they chose to ban it when we had to deal with it for the entire time it was relevant mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you you know, Subkits gets starts getting a little crazy over that we get, you know, a super powerful set mm. where a bunch of Subkits banned. Go ahead, sorry.
1: Hold on. I'm, I want to I want to give yeah. my side of the whole like year of Mirgan. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh so that summer after I got my DCI card, I played my first PTQ which was onslaught block constructed. And I built goblins uh and you know, went like you know five four again or four three. I don't. Know. It, was, it it must have been a seven round PTQ. Uh, so I, because I think I went four three, and uh, you know I'm not good at this point. But I liked playing the goblins deck, and I was like, oh maybe I'll build Goblin bidding in standard. So I became a bidding player that fall when Muridan was released. Um, and you know I build the deck. I'm playing it every single week at FNM. I'm doing really well with it. At this point, I'm one of the better players in the store. Um, but I'm just sort of dipping my toes into wider things. And, um, I remember, you know, uh, you know, through that fall bidding was still a very good deck and then, you know, dark still is released. And one of the first weeks it's out, I play against one of my friends from the store, Matt, and he's playing like the new affinity deck and I'd never even seen it. But Matt, I, like, Matt was much more, you know, online, checking out, you know, mm-hmm. much more up-to-date with current tech. Um, and, you know, he knew the deck was was really, really good. And we played, and I, I won the match, and I was like, yeah, deck seems fine, or whatever, you know. And then, obviously, like, it, it completely takes over. But I'm just, you know, sticking with my guns uh, and playing this Goblin deck, and I played it the next year at Regionals. And uh, this year, and... Much like your like Death Cloud deck that has infinite hate, my side goblins was generally good against a bunch of other things. So your the sideboard was just fifteen anti affinity cards. It was like yep. nothing but shatters and detonates yeah. and things. Just Total mono anti affinity yeah. cards. So the matchup still wasn't good. Yeah. So that this next year of regionals, also in Boston, it we got uh it's eleven rounds of Swiss. Because if we do the Swiss plus one, it got, you know, big enough. And I actually did pretty well. I finished eight and three. By and perfect. it went so long playing 11 rounds that they had to get out of the venue. And they went into the parking lot and they're announcing the standings and handing out your prizes in the parking lot of like a hotel ballroom. Like, it's sure. a hotel parking lot. With some holiday yen or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm on the bubble for prize. Prizes went down to top 32. And thirty-two. Did
0: you, have the, did you have the non? Did you have the amateur prizing at these as well? No,
1: that's okay. at grand prix. That'll,
0: that'll that'll come up. That'll come yeah. up in a few in a few things. That but, happened at our at our PTQ sometimes as well. Yeah, like the head judge would just be like, "Yeah, you're getting less prize, and this person is getting more." Be like, okay, anyway, so
1: continue.
0: top thirty-two was a
1: box, and thirty-third was nothing. So we're sweating. Yes, and I'm like eight-three is the borderline. It'll depend on my breakers. Sure. And uh, they announced 32nd, and it's not me. And I'm like, damn. And the, th- the person in 32nd just isn't there. And they're like, well, I guess we'll give this last box to whoever's in 33rd. Ding. Which was me. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> so, nice. nice. I went from uh, bubbling out to bubbling in to nice. my box. Yeah. And and that was really cool. Keep in mind, this is, this is the Skull Clamp era, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know this is right before Clamp gets banned. It got banned in June, and then they immediately printed, you know, cranial plating, which was also mm. hilarious. Mm. Um, that regionals was also yeah. the, the yeah. emergence of the... Tannin, it was the emergence of the actual best deck, which wasn't even Affinity was in the Clamp the era. Blue? No, it was the, the mono-green, vernal, bloom tooth and nail deck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elf tooth and nail. nail
0: deck. Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, Craig crimples
1: won... U.S. Nationals with. Yeah, so this is like Lanor Elves, Wood Elves, Wirewood Herald, Four Main Deck Viridian Shaman, Wirewood mm -hmm. Symbiote, and Clamp. and then you had Vernal Bloom into Tooth and Nail, and you could Tooth and Nail for like big things to kill them, or you could get Mephidros Vampire Triskelion to blow up their battlefield. It was sweet. I played
0: that deck a little bit. I played a lot of Tooth and Nail in this format too, yeah.
1: But the good news for me was, is that it was very bad against Goblin Sharpshooter. Yeah, so, so you're smoking people with that. Yeah, Yeah. yeah so so we the, the, the clamp metagame ended up being a, a kind of rock, paper, scissors. Affinity be mm-hmm. goblins, goblin beat alpha nail, alpha nail be affinity. But when you have a metagame with three good decks and they're all skull clamp decks, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, so they got rid of skull clamp and then affinity just became the best deck because they just got to become an aggro deck and replace it with cranial plating. <laughs>
0: Also, I started to really, like, find my love for limitedness. Like, I told you that the block before, I was like, I'm never drafting, like, I'm never doing anything again, because, like, you know, I got yelled at or whatever. I started drafting the set and fell in love with 40 card decks, because this set, believe it or not, was actively really good to draft, and we had, like, broke it. I remember we did really well at, like, all the limited events that were local, because we were the first group to figure out, uh, you should first pick Leon and Bola. Like, yeah, yeah people and had not fr- figure that Reed out and longbow yeah longbow was really good green yeah, longbow uh we, we would play uh the sunburst deck you know we call it five color blue or whatever because you get yeah. blue based and you just have you know all your because like trigon mage could go get like whatever you needed and there was just a bunch of ways to make your cards and it, like really impressive the set was really cool um it was a lot less straightforward than onset legions of the scourge was where it was just like take the creature in your colors and you know nothing against that format the format was fun too but like in this one you had to look at the entire pack because like almost every card in it was playable in your deck. And so, so you had to do yeah. you know, some weird and Any
1: format that has a lot of creature type synergies or a lot of specific uh, color combination synergies, you and, tend to just like, stick with those. Okay. But yeah, Mirrodin because of Sunburst and all the mana fixing. Yeah. But without, with all the artifacts, ends up being a lot more open-ended because a lot of the cards can fit into almost any deck, but you yeah. got to figure out how best to fit them together. So yeah. you have the, the increased optionality is very nice. Yeah. I, oddly enough, like drafted a ton of OLS and then didn't really draft MD5 at all. I don't really know why. It, in D 5 or yeah,
0: mirrored in Dark Souls 5th. Though. Oh, you, oh, mirrored in there. I had already mentally gone on to champions. I'm sorry. I I, okay. like I told you, I'm a little slow today. Uh, I'm a little tired. Uh, but th- that was kind of the segue that I was going to make is we went from what some people thought was like a pretty good limited format into one that is not remembered very well. In the history of Magic, a lot of people don't didn't like this set overall, and they didn't like this limited set. I personally did, though. I'm going to talk about it a little bit because this is where I start to actually get into competitive Magic, and this is the Champions of Kamigawa, Betrayers of Kamigawa, Saviors of Kamigawa set. So uh, I'm going to be a little all over the place in the storytelling can, because my life is a little bit all over the place can, in this. Can we, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. can we put, pause on this because I've got sure. two more stories from Mirrored and Arrow? Of course you do. So yeah, go ahead. So the the summer at the, that summer when Clamp is banned. But, um, uh, cranial plating is printed. I switch over to being uh, affinity guy, mm-hmm. you know, goblins be
0: very good at that deck, weren't you? Yes.
1: Goblins is dead at that point. My, sure. so my local store is still F and M no, uh, no sanctioned. So he allowed us to play five proxies. So I played the entire summer of F and M with proxied Arcbound ravagers and just bought the rest of the deck that w- or was nothing. Um, and anytime I needed to play a bigger event, I'd find somebody to borrow Ravagers from. Mm-hmm. And I uh, that summer was the first time I played a Grand Prix. This is Grand Prix New Jersey, mirrored in, it's mirrored and block constructed.
0: I will get to my first Grand Prix in
1: um, the next set. Yeah. So we're very close to each other. Yeah. Okay. So I uh, so we sit down for the player meeting because we still had player meetings, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of miss them. Yeah, we had, a, we had something like we were over the cutoff to cut to 64 instead of cutting to 32. Because we had like 800 or something, mm-hmm. which was pretty big at the time. And yeah, that's, very, that's very large at the time, yeah. Back then, you got buys for your rating. So if you're 1800 DCI rating, you got one buy, 1900 two buys, 2000 three buys. And that's how the system worked instead of Planeswalker points. Oh, Keep in mind, we're we're in like a we're in like a sports complex in New Jersey, so and like we're in this giant open space, but it like overlooks a bunch of like indoor so, uh, soccer fields that people can rent. Okay, so like I, I, yeah, I've seen these places. Yeah, 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 And we're like next to an IKEA. <laughs> it's a sure. it, it was a weird venue. Sure, um, the, but it mostly are. <laughs> yeah, but it's my first time going to a Grand Prix, and we we sit down for the player meeting. And my rating at the time was like 1770, 1780, something around there. So okay. I'm like just shy of a buy. And, cool. <laughs> uh, but they announced because we have like so many, I don't know, remember the reason actually, but they announced that they're, they were going to reduce the cap to get buys from 1819.2 to 1750, 1850, 1950. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's great. Now I'm just over the caps. I get around one buy. um, so I can honestly say I've never played a Grand Prix without at least one buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the Grand Prix itself is pretty uninteresting. I think I went 5-4. Um, I had one salty opponent in the last round. We're both dead for day two. But they're just like complaining about affinity as everybody did, and they're yeah. playing the Freshmaker deck, just a gruel, yeah, in green deck. Yeah, yeah, the, it's just anti-artifact cards. But their deck was so bad, it wasn't even good against you because they didn't really yeah. have card advantage to take advantage of all the removal. Not, that deck was not good. <laughs> and uh, uh, like I, I beat him to end my day at a win, while he was very salty about it. Know. Oh, the other thing I will say, well, to give you another example of how different things were back then, the head judge is giving the spiel during the player meeting in the morning. And tells us about what the triggered ability policy is. And it's like, you've got to rem- rem- remember and announce your triggers immediately, or it's a game loss. And the example he gave was Molder Slug. So yep. if you have a Molder Slug and your opponent has no artifacts on the battlefield, you still have to announce it on their update yep. before they draw, it or it's awful. a game loss. It's awful. Things were incredibly punishing. Yes. Uh, see, so you learned to I'm play technically game, precise very quickly.
0: I'm, I'm very surprised the game survived, honestly, through a lot of this. Well, the I think
1: it, the problem was the, the bigger threat was all the cheating early on, mm-hmm. and obviously like this sure. kind of enforcement didn't happen at lower levels where most people yeah. were playing, but, but at high levels, they needed to like really ramp up the enforcement, I think, to curb cheating, and then now they've yeah. like, come back down to Earth. I think they've gone a little too far, but that's a yeah. story for a different podcast. Um, sure. But, yeah, that, that's these are the conditions we're playing in. I don't make day two, so I'm playing the PTQ the next day. At Grand Prix. there was always a PTQ on Sunday.
0: That's like 500 people for 400 uh, people. So ours,
1: yeah. ours was the largest in North America at that time. It was 270-something, 270 yeah. like 273. Yeah, there are always so, some huge numbers. they are like yeah. 9 or 10 rounds. Yeah, it's ni- That's 9 rounds of Swiss, <clears throat> and we we're playing it, and I, I started off pretty well. I started off 2-0. I lost round 3 to somebody playing COGS, the, oh, wow. the Oriok Salvager control yeah. deck. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I played the games terribly. I had no, I really had no idea what was going on, um, but I keep, I, I, I'm winning from there. I'm still X one th- <laughs> through several rounds. I'm winning a bunch of mirrors. I beat one guy who was very mad. So people got like, usually got very mad when they lost to me because I'm, I'm still 15 at the time. I'm just, sure. You know, I'm the kid. Yeah. Um, and I relished in it. So I'm playing one affinity mirror and in. In Mirrored and Block Constructed, there were two... So there's two different builds of Affinity. There's the Aether Vial build, which was the better one. And then there was the Paradise Mantle build. Paradise Mantle was meant to do something similar stuff. It was a zero-mana artifact, equip one, your creature tap for a mana of any color. So it gave you some mana ramp uh, and more cheap artifacts. And what it did was give you access to more colored mana. And so what you, you could do was sideboard Infernus furnace dragon for the mirror six red 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 affinity for artifacts five five flyer etb exile all artifacts and something like that and so you would just you know you both be playing magic and then you would just slam a five five flyer that wrath the board and they just didn't really have an answer to it um but it was just like ether vial is a busted card as we all know so um so still used were... to this day yeah even it took
0: it it took time to catch one and that's that.
1: Oh yeah, Yeah, definitely did. I remember. I think it was V who wrote about it. People kind of laughed at him at first. Then it was like a
0: fourteenth. It was literally like a like. I remember at one point we used to joke about this when like they were really good in certain formats and uh, the card was like thirty dollars because you know it hadn't been reprinted a bunch yet. Yeah, it's just an uncommon from this set from ten years ago, you know, or fifteen years ago at this point. Whenever, whenever we're talking about this, and I was like, yeah, I remember this being a fourteenth pick. Like you would just get these like super late in your packs. We didn't know they were going to be like thirty dollars bills or whatever. Anyway, sorry.
1: Um, so, I'm, I'm playing the, so, I'm playing the matchup against Mantle Affinity, and we're in game three, and my opponent, uh, lands a Furnace Dragon, and they're looking pretty good. They're at 15 life. I have no board except for three Blake Moth Nexuses, and I'm at, like, a reasonable, I'm a similar life total, but, like, I, I'm gonna have a hard time crawling back into this game, except, I have three shrapnel blasts in my hand, and my draw step the next turn was great furnace. <laughs> so now <laughs> down the line. <laughs> so well, it, and it's weird though because you would think next turn I'm just going to throw a blink moth at the furnace drag, right? Mm-hmm. No, we're going upstairs. But yeah, I have three of them. My opponents have fifteen. So yeah. I so the like I play the great furnace pass. They do whatever an attack. Block. I yeah. animate a blink moth block, and I'm like before blocks shrapnel blast you. And My opponent yeah. just like looks at me, and at first they think I'm just a, a weird a kid that only wants a shrapnel blast upstairs, and I'm yeah. an idiot. And then it happens again the next turn, and they take five, and they kind of see the writing on the wall, but they still got very mad when they saw the third one. Yeah, <laughs> like of course. of course you have it. Um, yeah. So I-, I win that match. I then get into uh, I, I want to say this is the round eight. So I'm six and one, and I play uh, I play against the. The vile affinity mirror, and it's mm-hmm. another kid about my same age. I had actually met him the day before, just like hanging out before the tournament, and it, like he seemed like a nice kid. We played some games, we talked a bit, and so we're playing this match at six and one. The other thing you need to know about vile affinity is there were two different sideboard plans. There was the green plan, and then there was the red plan. And if you had the green plan, you needed to make sure Tree of Tales was in your mana base. Red plan, you got more. Uh, wiggle room with how you built your mana base, and with the green plan you played uh, Viridian Shaman and Oxidize as your sideboard cards in the mirror. Red plan, you played Electrostatic Bolt and Relic Barrier. Good old Relic Barrier, I remember these. Now lines. anyway, he, he was on the red plan. I was on the green plan. Historically, the red plan was better. I was enamored with the Viridian Shaman and Vile Shenanigans. Sure. But th- what the red plan could do was answer disciple of the vault, and the green plan yes. could not. <laughs> yeah, and that you know, so b- big edge to the red plan. Um, but we're playing, and once again, we're in a game three, and I take over game three by taking my vial up to three and vialing in a ready chop. <laughs> so you know, it still works some, some of the time. It's a scoreboard, yeah. <laughs> but I'm 15. I've never made like a deep run in a tournament, you know, nearly this size before. I'm like shaking at every play I make, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, unbeknownst to me after I've because I just showed my opponent the Viridian Shaman rather than putting into play with the the vial which is what I should have done and I just kind of instinctively put it in my graveyard okay and we uh, but it it actually just doesn't matter I don't need the 2-2 so like that happens I like pass the turn he does something and we go back to my turn and I'm thinking about something and in the middle of my, my thinking he just points out that the Viridian Shaman shouldn't be in, in the graveyard, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, but I figure like it's, it's not advantageous. Like It might just stay in the graveyard. It might come back. Who knows? We, and he's like, we should call Judge. I'm like, sure. You know, We called Judge. And my opponent, who I thought I was friendly with, just spent five minutes lobbying with the Judge to try to get me a game loss because mm-hmm. it was the only way he could win this match. Yeah, of course. Just yeah. fishing for it so hard, and I'm just looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. this, you're never winning this judge call ever. Yeah. E- even with how strict things were, if you made mistakes that didn't benefit you, you weren't going to get a game loss. Like, yeah. obviously, you didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the judge, like, they're, he's constantly saying, so, so he doesn't get a game loss? Well, like, right? Like, he made a game rules violation. The judge is like, no, it doesn't benefit him. Like, and- I, I stayed in the graveyard. That's how, that's how it, it worked because they're, they're not going to adjust the game state. So, with my mistake, lost a 2 2, didn't care about it won the match and like coldly shook his hand and moved on. Mm-hmm. So now I'm seven one. I have to play around nine. I can't draw in the tournaments too big. And this tournament, you know, it's in August. If it's very hot outside and it was hot in the, the place with the ceilings are like 30 feet high in the, the venue. And there's, uh, like industrial or commercial air conditioning vents in the ceiling, but they didn't really dissipate very well. So if you were right under one of the vents, it was freezing cold, like mm-hmm. 40 degrees, 50 degrees, maybe. And if you were not directly under one of the vents, it was 80 degrees. <laughs> that, that's how this venue was. And I sit down to, at my table for round nine and it's, our table is just directly under a vent. So I'm just, not only am I shaking because I'm nervous, I'm now also shaking because I'm freezing cold. mm mm-hmm. And I didn't have the wherewithal to like ask a judge if we could play at a different table, which obviously they would have allowed. But once again, I'm 15, and I'm playing this match. And uh, I remember my opponent's name. It was Matt Ents, but it, his last name was spelled E N S S S. Okay. Yeah, it's just stuck with me to this day. I was like three S's. I thought his name was misspelled on the on the pairing sheet at first, but it's... then he had an embroidered like jacket that had Ents with three S's That's... on it. Wow. Uh, okay. And. We're, it's another Affinity Mirror. It's just a, a very close three-game match, and like I, at the end of it, as I'm pulling ahead, I like almost knock over my deck because I am shaking that hard. I have to like play incredibly slowly to mm-hmm. avoid like making some game-losing dexterity error that would cost me this match. Uh, but I ended up taking that one down, and that was my first PTQ top eight. I lost in the quarterfinals to Cheesequake to my Enduring Shame, uh, which was the the big red deck splashing blue for condescend and thirst for knowledge, um, from some like fifteen year old Canadian kid. And uh I just played like absolute dog shit the entire match and was really upset with myself. I got crushed in like two game in two games. Uh but that was my first PTQ top eight. And that that was the first moment where I was like I might be good. And <laughs> um so, you know, affinity good for small children to win magic tournaments, I guess. Sure.
0: So are you actually done finally? Um, we can, can we go on?
1: No, no. I have one more story.
0: Jesus, man! You're like <laughs> I had two, and you have like four. Yeah, <laughs> right, no. This like, is hey.
1: a, this is a fun era. It's just because I have so many stories of me beating kids, people, and them getting really mad, and I love those stories. We got. The, I think we got the point on those, Ross. No, no. This one's the best one though, um, because it, this is actually from a year earlier. This is me playing a uh, a a GPT, I think, at some local store. It was back when I was still playing goblins, and. Um, I'm, it's like round two or something and I'm playing against Tooth and Nail and my, in game three, my opponent resolves the Tooth and Nail and they get Platinum Angel, Leon, and Abunus, which is hey. a two five that gives your artifact shroud. And so I'm just sitting there, like I tack him down a negative a million. He never makes any blocks and building this huge battlefield, trying to find an answer. Uh, because, you know, with Siege commander and sharpshooters and things like you can kill a bunch of stuff, but it's taking a while. And by the time I can kill it, he fires off another uh, Tooth and Nail. And I'm assuming he's going to get Trisk and wipe my Mm. board and there's no way I can win. Instead, he gets two more copies of Leon and bonus. So I'm sitting there just amassing this giant battlefield trying to find a way to deal 19 damage while my opponent's at like negative 20. And he's just attacking for four each turn in the air with Platinum Angel. I didn't take any damage from my lands, so it takes him five turns. He passes when I'm at four and I draw my card for the turn and I have two of my friends, Ben and Justin, standing behind me. They're literally telling me to concede. They're just like, but they're like whispering it. And he just hears like whispering behind me. And they're just like laughing about how dead I am to his ridiculous battlefield of Platinum Angel, Tripolina, and Abunus. I draw my card and I think like, I think I can I can win this game. And so I sit there like using Skirk Prospector, Sharpshooter, and Siege Gang and Commander. I think I drew a second Siege Gang for turn, which was critical. And I'm just cashing in all my creatures, constantly just dealing damage and maximizing all of the sequencing. And it gets to the point where I kill all three Leonid bonuses and have two red floating, one card in hand. And I show him the Echoing Ruin that was in my hand that I had brought in. Horrible card to bring into this matchup. Don't know why I did it, but it worked sure. out perfectly. And I'm like, you know, kill your Platinum Angel, that's game. And he immediately calls the judge and tries to get us, like, all punished, thinking that, like, my friends were giving me play advice. My friends just start laughing, like, dude, we were telling him to concede. I, yeah, I, um, we we literally didn't think he could win, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was just so upset. Yeah, man. Um, I wish I could. I wish I could still do that, but it's just I'm what, too upset. Your opponents that bad? Yes, beating beating adults. So, like l- hold ju- on,
0: real quick, real quick. You don't do this to your opponents. You do it to me, <laughs> to me, and, to me and Brennan when we had to play with you. We would just get tilted off the face of the earth. Like, <laughs> I got to tell you this. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this one, but um, one of our top eights. It might have been. I think it was like Baltimore. It's like one of the ones where we're like in the semifinals, we're playing to make the finals, and we're like one-one. It's down to like your your last game. Like it's it's your last game. I think yeah. you're playing humans, and you're playing against um like Dredgevine or something. Okay. And you this like was mulligan, da- This was Dallas. Yeah, you like Mulligan to five or whatever. Right? Yeah. And do you remember that I had to use the restroom and had to leave? Yeah. I did not have to use the restroom. I just couldn't watch anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And because for one thing, like, I just couldn't watch anymore because, like, this is one of the tournaments where I went, like, 15-1 and or whatever or something like that, or, like, 16-0, and I was like, I I can't, I just can't take another loss. You know, it was like, it was during that, because there was a stretch there where, like, I just barely lost in any of these team events for, like, a long time. And just to pat myself on the back a little bit here, but the stress was getting to me, and the biggest problem about it is you shuffle so goddamn slow between like <laughs> you're mulliganing and you you mulligan twice in a non-time round. And I think it took you nine minutes to mulligan twice or something like that. And I just I could not deal with it anymore. I had to get up and, walk, and the judge like you can't come back. I'm like oh don't worry about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not. I actually watched the game like on a friend's phone like
1: across the hall. You know, oh, and that, the game the game did not take nine minutes. It was yes, a, very quickly. Yeah. I had I turn back. one noble, turn two mantis rider, turn yeah. three mantis rider, turn four mantis rider.
0: Yeah, I uh, that's the funny word. I did actually use the restroom, and I come back, and I'm like ready to leave or whatever. One of my friends is watching. He's like, "I think Ross is gonna win." I'm just like, "Dude, don't do this to me." It's like the, the Avengers moment. Don't give me hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, are we good? Can we go on to Champions Kamigawa?
1: Yeah. So do you,
0: do you have a lot to say about this form, this block too? Because because well, I have a decent bit. Because I have I have, I have very little. So you you okay.
1: you go, and then I'll. Yeah, this is a block so, I've, I have not, not yeah, much about. This is a real crazy year for me as well,
0: So, in which we'll talk about that because it has to do with right after sabers of Kamigawa we're going into Ravnica as well because Ravnica is the next one after this. I wonder if we'll have wonderful time to get into Ravnica, we'll see. Uh, yeah, this set was just nuts for me. Um, Champions of Kamigawa was, I'm pretty sure it's the first limited PTU I ever played in. I think I might have played in one constructed PTU, but I didn't like know. What, you know what I mean? It was like a local event I played during the uh, the Mirrodin block, but I didn't even, because I just remember this. You know, I'm in I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at the time, and my friends are all like, "Hey, next weekend we're driving to Houston. It's like a four hour drive. We're driving to Houston. We're gonna like stay overnight, play a magic tournament, and then drive home that day. Do you want to go? Like, we're going to, and I'm like, Wait, there's a magic tournament? They're like, yeah, it's a PTQ. I'm like, Yeah, sure, I'm in, I'm in. They're like, It's sealed, whatever. And I remember like it's the typical like sitcom moment. Like, you know, a minute goes by, and I go, What's a PTQ? It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't even, I don't even know. Like, they explain it to me. And I'm like, Okay, cool. So all my friends go. You know, it's like six or seven of us, right? We take two cars. We're like full or whatever. Um, a real side note. I get real lucky here too, because like one of the guys we hung out with listened to a lot of music that I ended up really end up liking. And he either was like from Chicago or knew somebody from Chicago, and he had like a very early EP of Fall Out Boy. And he was like, "Hey, you should check out this band." And he like put it in my CD player in my car, and I was just like, "Who is this? I need to know. I need to listen to more of this music." I liked it. anyway. You guys remember that was like like the road trips of friends back then. I, I I missed that part quite a bit. You know, you made yeah. some of your best friends, etc. And you really kind of like, you know, hit it off, people. Anyway, so we go out to Houston, and uh, Magic in Texas, man, it was a it, it hit different back then. It was really they were extremely competitive. Everyone really, really cared about their their rating. And I'm gonna jump forward in time a little bit, like like just to prove it to you. Uh, I have like a really good couple of years starting here, right? Like I have a like a like a two or three year span where I went a lot, right? Yeah, and my rating is absurd at this point. Uh, and I remember like you go to Houston and it was like very common for Texas people to ask you your rating before the round started. Yeah. The,
1: the, the, look just Ross guy gave we, me is like, whatever. I used to get a lot of questions after a match, especially if I they won, because before, my opponent thought they were going to lose a yeah, bunch of points
0: that, or they would ask after. I remember once, after once the guy, like, I just like beat the crap out of this guy. He was like a cocky local player or whatever. I can just, you, you knew the type, like you can just tell. Yeah. Right. And, uh, afterwards he was just like. He was like, "Oh man, what's your rating?" I was like, "Rating? What's a rating?" And they're like, "He's like, you know, the number." And I go, "Oh, I think it's like fifteen something." You know, because you started sixteen hundred. I'm like, 15? He's, you freaking out. It looks at first. He's like, "I'm gonna lose a maximum." Blah blah. blah. And I just start laughing my ass off. And he's like, "What? What's so funny?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm like two thousand. Shut up." And he's like, "Oh." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "I'm like the highest rated player in this fucking room. Shut up." I'm Like, whatever. But anyway, so uh, you know, back up. We, we go on the trip. We go to the event. Obviously, I go undefeated in Swiss. Like, let's be real. Everybody knows that's what's coming. You know, it's my first PTQ ever. My sealed deck is very good, right? Uh, I can still t- tell you some of the cards that not worth it. Uh, my seal deck is very good. I'm the only one of my crew to make top eight. And I, again, at this time, I told you, like, I, I did not really realize how good the people I played with were versus the average player. This is not shooting anybody else. It's just like, you know, I was playing and we'd get together and draft a bunch at someone's house, or we'd go, like, make an eight man at the local store, like, you know, six, seven, eight of us. And, like, I would never win. I'd win, like, one in, like, six or seven, eight man, and my deck has to be very good, right? Because even if my deck's better than them, they're going to outplay me, right? Yeah. You know, because the games go a little longer back then. Magic was a little more. Um, there was a lot more back and forth and stuff. You know, yeah. everything There's was a lot less.
1: Thing. I curved one to four, and you're dead.
0: And you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mulligans were more punishing and stuff back then as well. Et cetera. So if you had, like, more non-games, et cetera. Anyway, so I go undefeated. None of them make the top eight. And I just waltzed through the top eight. Like, I like XO this day, like it's nothing. So I qualified for my first Pro Tours for London, right? And uh, by the way, this is this is part of when this year gets nuts. So uh, I qualified for London. And um, I remember on the trip, I got my collection stolen, which was crazy. Like, someone just stole my backpack. I didn't realize it until I got home or whatever. Um, I still remember the top eight. Uh, they disagreed with the way that I drafted, but I really liked my deck. I first picked Glacial Ray. Do you remember what Glacier Ray was? Yep. I let everybody at home two mana shock some. with
1: splice for two. Yeah.
0: So I first picked Glacier Ray. Second picked consuming vortex. That was the bounce spell that also had splice. That was arcane. Yeah. I third picked a Glacier Ray. And my fourth pick somehow, blind with anger was in the pack. It was just Ray of Command that was arcane. And back then you could like stack damage and do all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. So like this is like the best card of all time. It was like a four for one every time you cast it if you cast it correctly. And so. Every combat was the same thing. Eventually, I'd get a couple creatures play. They'd get a couple of creatures be like attack. I'd be like block, block, stack damage. I'd be like bounce my guy, splice on arcane, splice, splice on arcane. I would just start emptying my hand very quickly, you know. And the games would go, whatever. So I qualify for my first pro tour. Um, go through betrayers, go through saviors. A lot of fun stuff happens here. Uh, at this time, we're still having the. I think I might have mentioned it, we're still having the big uh, pre releases. You know, where it's like it's only like one pre release in the state. It was in New Orleans. We yeah. all go there. If I remember correctly, there was a really funny moment that happened. Betrayers of Kamigawa had Jite, right? This is, again, yes, another... Is betrayers. mistake. Yeah, it's a Betrayers. So, I, I, there's a funny story with this. Uh, saviors of Kamigawa, the pre-release. If I remember right, you only got packs of champions and saviors.
1: Right? I like believe you so, didn't get yes. The, you
0: didn't get the middle pack. And I remember because... I'm trying sure to remember the story. I think it happened like, round one or round two. My opponent uh, plays a card, and I immediately put my hand I'm like, Judge. The judge comes over and I'm like, I, I have a problem. And they're like, what? And my opponent's like, what's going on? What's wrong? And I just look at the judge, I'm like, my opponent just played a Jitte. And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, we didn't get packs of Betrayers of Kamigawa. So, like, the the person cheated by putting, you know, just the, the best one yeah. the card in their deck. But I'm like, it. you can't even have this card. So, like, yeah, there's no way I can prove it, except, like, the guy's like, well, you don't know. And I'm like, no, 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 I know. You, you don't get Betrayers of Kamigawa. And I look at the point, you know, I point at the symbol on the card. And he's like, oh, okay, like, get out. You <laughs> like, or whatever. And, um... It's, so I think it's sometime around this, like champions or betrayers, I can't remember exactly. I played my first Grand Prix. So I qualified for my first, first pro tour before I played my first Grand Prix. My first Grand Prix was Grand Prix Austin. I had zero buys. Uh, I go 6-2 or 7-2 day one. I remember I go X-2 and you know, back then it was top 64 cut to the next day. I think I finished 65th, if I remember correctly. So I like, I don't make the next day because my losses were around like three and eight. Yeah. or something like that. It was shortly was, after that that yeah. they
1: changed it to yeah. everyone with the same record as 64th yes. makes it. It was
0: much better. Yeah. But uh, I remember because like, I lost and I was like very dejected. I was like, this is stupid. I was like, my deck was great. You know, I really wanted to draft some more. Because it was really funny when I finally got to my first pro tour, which is in Savior's Kamigawa, because uh, it was a draft pro tour. So back then they weren't mixed. They were limited or constructed. Yeah. And you would have draft pro tours. So literally the entirety of the tournament would sit down in eight-man pots. And we'd draft twice day one. And then do the same thing day two and then you draft in then into the top eight right um that was the first time i did a like actual timed draft in person i had never actually done a professional level draft until draft one of the pro tour and like he was like the one thing my friends kind of didn't really get me ready for because i think they just assumed i knew it they're like i didn't really really know yeah uh, so here's where something starts to get a little crazy too uh that's my first pro tour it's pro tour London. It's the first time i've been overseas first time i've been in europe uh you can go back and kind of check this. There was a terrorist attack in London while I was there. And uh, that was scary. And I happened to be very close to it when it happened, Ross. Uh, like the joke is that we got up like 10 minutes earlier that day. We could have possibly been in the middle of it. And uh, like I was in the subway, like literally underground when it happened. I remember some loud noise happens, alarms go off, and it's like a movie. You see just like a bunch of people running towards you because the exit's behind you. Yeah. You don't stop to ask questions. You turn around and you run, Right. Yeah. So like all that crazy was going on. I remember I had to find like we, we left, we didn't know what to do because, uh, London's a lot like any big metropolitan metropolitan area. All the buildings are really close and vertical. Right. And I'm not used to that. I'm from backwards, Louisiana. We're very wide and spaced out. Yeah. Right. So like, if there's a few cop cars around you, there's sirens on, the it sounds like there's hundreds. So it sounds like you're in a fucking war zone. Right. So like everything's just going crazy. You know, they blew up a bus, they blew up a subway car. I eventually found my way to a McDonald's because all the McDonald's there had internet cafes. Because at the time I had a cell phone. It was like one of the first cell phones I ever had. But like I definitely can't just like call America at the time. So I had to get on AIM. You know, like good old AIM. Instant messenger. messenger. Yeah. Yeah. And like tell them and like I messaged my friend. I'm like, Hey, can you do me a favor? Here's my 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 house number and here's my girlfriend's number. Can you call them and tell them that I'm that I'm okay? And they're like oh dude like they think they, they know you got to europe okay like you're probably fine i'm like turn on the fucking news because it was like three in the morning here or yeah something like that or two in the morning here he happened to be up and he just goes you just see like the little you know like their typing thing And he just goes oh god <laughs> you know because <laughs> like something i trust they're like somewhat of an adult i'm like Can you just tell them that i'm alive because like they're gonna freak out so like had to deal with all that and that was pretty nuts um huh. the actual pro tour was crazy so it happened right before day one it was like two days before day one or something like that. so we get there for the Friday before, or the Thursday before, whatever. The day the site opens, but the Pro Tour hasn't started. It's Thursday. And they're like, uh, circumstances are crazy, uh, all site events are free. So they like, everybody's just literally drafting like crazy. And we're gonna do a bunch of stuff for free, so that was kind of cool, I guess. You know, we ended up playing the Pro Tour. I don't do very well, but this is the one that uh, Jeffrey Cerrone 9-0'd, the top eight, he was the only red drafter at the table. And he happened to be the person that we were watching. <laughs> you know, like, the coverage is watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'll still never, I'll never forget this, because we're in the, the viewer area. Because, like, they had the big screen set up, and there's, like, hundreds of us, like, non-still-playing, quote-unquote, pros, you know, the people that are there for the Pro Tour. We're all watching, and everyone is just laughing. Because we're like, this deck is unreal. Like, he doesn't want the Pro Tour. And you can see it on his face. He's, like, trying to hold it in. You know, he's like, oh, my God. I feel like, nothing goes wrong. I I just want a Pro Tour. He ends up winning the Pro Tour. And so, like, that was my crazy, like, champions, betrayers, Sa- saviors kind of thing. The limited format is not really, you know, thought of very highly, because it was a little strange. Like, there was a cr- bunch of crazy stuff to go on, plus, like, certain commons just weren't really beatable. Like, there was a common in the set called Kabuto Moth that if you got to untap with it, the game's literally over. And I want to explain to people at home. It's So, it's, it's two and a white for a 1-2 flyer. And it says, tap it, target creature gets plus 1, plus 2, until end of turn. I want you to understand that in this time, especially when damage was still stacking, that this card was unbeatable for you. If your opponent had it, and they just the, the fear of them using it, like, you can never win combat. Ever. And, like, you have to kill the Kabuto Moth, but then, like, most of the ways to kill it, you dealt two or three damage. So if you didn't kill it, the turn it came into play, it can save itself. Right? Also, it was a spirit, and there's, like, soul shift in that format, so you can get it back. So you'd, like, kill, you'd go through hoops to kill their Kabuto Moth, and then they'd be like, okay, get it back, play another one. Or they just have multiple Kabuto Moths. Yeah. If you ever got two in play and you had any creatures. Literally
1: nothing could ever win. You could never
0: beat anyone in combat. Mm.
1: Then, then you uh, just had to play the dampen thought stack and mill them.
0: Yep. Yeah. So th- that's why I I went a lot with splice in the format. Is like I tried to play rat. Like, look, if we're not winning through combat and stuff, like let's let's do all the other crazy stuff. So, uh, you know, Maloku was in this set. We'd never seen a card like that before. Uh, that started getting played with uh, Psychotog. That was still yeah. legal. Mo- and stuff Maloku saw
1: playing vintage.
0: Yeah, Maloku was huge when it came out. We'd never seen a card. Like, I had it in my uh, day one deck of the Grand Prix. I, I can't tell you how many games I ended with no lands in play. They'd be like, go to like, heave. Like, just pick them all up. You know, like, pick all my lands up and do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So, yeah, as uh, I was going to say, and then there was the construction portion of this format, which was wild as well. And this, would got, this got me a lot better at Magic because I had to learn how to play different kinds of decks with here. Because I ended up playing a lot of gifts Ungiven in this format which was like the best deck it's, it's still to this day one of the most dominant uh block decks of all time in fact by the numbers i think it might have even been more dominant than uh than affinity was but they were also just like the other decks weren't super great and it was one of the first times where i started learning the uh the other things that you can do in magic where you could like not i don't want to say get people because i don't want to have the negative connotation but like it's one of the first times i ever did something like i gift for two cards instead of four or like you would make your gifts pile hoping they would get it wrong you know you'd like the way in which you did it you'd be like oh like this card you get that one out first like real fast and then you'd yeah. like take your time and all the other ones they would just never give you that card when you don't want it and stuff and that deck was really cool you got to do like the the yose uh not yose yose the white one yes. yose right yeah you got to do like the yose Kokushu loops and stuff and yeah, the set was pretty cool overall i had a big i was a big fan of it it was a lot of fun um i'll let you Say your stuff about the set before I talk about Before we get into Ravnica, we'll probably hold off Ravnica for the next series, but I'll talk about why, again, this all got real crazy for me at the time.
1: Yeah. So, uh, speaking to the caring too much about rating, after I top eight at a PTQ and my rating is in like the 1800s at that point, and I am, you know, an incredibly cocky 15 year old kid, uh, I cared a lot about my rating. Mm -hmm. So that fall at States, So this was mirrored in Kamigawa standard. I'm still playing Affinity. I lost round one to a child younger than me. He was probably 12 or 13 playing like 68 card unsleeved pile. And I'm playing just the most broken deck of all time. (laughs) or Like among the most broken decks of all time. I I ended up losing to Volshock Gauntlets on Spike Shot Goblin, which was good in that limited format. Plus four, plus two, baby. That's a good limited combo. But somehow beat me in Constructed. I don't really know how really, really man intensive. Yeah. I ended up winning the. Uh, it was six rounds of Swiss. I won the next four drew in and then lost my top eight match in the mirror to the guy that ended up winning the tournament. And I lost rating because I I lost like almost the max in round one. I lost points when I took the draw, the intentional draw, and uh, you know, I'll get
0: into this one. There's a step yeah. further. Online. I go into this problem too. I
1: like freaked out. I I mean, and I lost like ten points. It really didn't sure. make a huge difference, but I was just like, I top eight of this tournament about how that lose rating. This is horseshit. Yep. Um, and so that that's how Kamigawa block started for me. Um, I I was also a big Maloku fan. I started playing. Um, I got bored of Affinity, and I started playing the Simic Root Awakening Maloku deck. Uh, with score Tribe Elder and Sensei's Top. It was like a ramp control deck. Had some counter spells, some ramp spells, and you just won with either Moloku or Rude Awakening. That deck was super fun. But really, I just didn't... I, well, I sort of took a step back. So what happened for me here is that the friend group that I had been playing a bunch of Magic with, they were all seniors this year, and I was a junior. And so they were all sort of like getting ready to make that you know transition into college, and they weren't playing as much Magic. And so I just, like, didn't go to the stores often and wasn't playing as much. And I basically stopped playing between Betrayers and Fifth Dawn. Uh-huh. I I probably played, like, once in that uh, four or five-month span. And I honestly, like, might have just stopped playing entirely. But there were some uh, some guys that I had met at the at the store, and I wasn't close friends with them. But, like, you know, we knew each other just because we saw each other at the store a lot. They were significantly older than I was. They were class of 03 and 04. Um, Hi, class of 03. Yeah. <laughs> significantly older, thanks. Yeah. And you know, I was class of 06, but really class of 07, because I skipped a grade. Uh, humble brag. and God, <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah. So they're, you know, three or four years older than I am. And they just like, it, you know... uh called me and were like, you want to go to the store tonight? Like, we'll give you a ride. And I think they just recognized that I was good and they wanted more good players around.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that, that's when I like got in with them and, you know, became close friends with them. And they were really like going hard, going to a lot more tournaments. Like I, I played, you know, from 03 to 05, I probably played like four PTQs or something or five PTQs and like one Grand Prix. I, I wasn't, you know, playing a ton of tournaments. I, I didn't go, uh, full bore. I was mainly still just playing at the local store, but with them, I would play a bunch of, of, um, I, I would start playing more tournaments. And so I started going back to the store again a lot and getting in with a different group. And it was that summer playing Kamigawa block constructed at a bunch of PTQs that, uh, I got back into it and they gave me a deck because I didn't have Kamigawa cards really. And the deck I got was mono white, which is one of the better decks in, in the format.
0: Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah,
1: and uh, I knew GTA was busted, but the first time, the first round I played with it, I didn't read it that closely. You didn't realize it worked on blocks and stuff too. No, no. I I thought when you removed a counter, you could give any creature plus two plus two, not just oh, the sure, creature. sure, yeah. And I was gonna win this game anyway, but I like won it faster by you know by, pumping unblocked yeah. creatures with it. My opponent let it happen, and I'm you know talking to them between rounds, like telling them the story of what I did, and they stop me and they're like, "Wait, what did you do?" I'm like, yeah, I just like pumped my unblock creature with the Jite counters and killed him. It's like, dude, you can only pump the equipped creature. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh shit. Uh, so I got to learn learn the Jite wasn't even wasn't quite as busted as I thought it was. Yeah,
0: you know, this kind of reminds me too. People back then, um, the legend rule was different. So if someone had a legendary permanent play and you played a copy of it, both of them died. And so like Jite was such a powerful card at the time during constructed at this time. That there were decks that, like, there was a mono blue deck that was really good, but had no way to kill an artifact. So what it did was it just ran four Jite in its sideboard to either preemptively stop yours or kill yours yeah. that, was, that
1: was in play. And as a result, they also sided in some creatures so that they could equip the the yep. Jite proactively. They would sideboard River Kaijin which is uh-huh. just two and a blue one four vanilla. Yeah. Corn and <laughs> and yeah. the, uh, so they're, they're playing against the aggro deck was River Kaijin Threads of Disloyalty, and Jite. And they, they had Juji uh, Apprentice as another. creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called deck. It was called Jushi Blue. Yeah, it was uh, like Threads of Disloyalty, and it had uh, it had the uh,
0: the card I talked about earlier, right? Um, Shackles, right?
1: Yeah, uh, they main yeah. deck the Shackles though? Yeah. Um. So, so
0: this is a, uh, I think this was a Mike Flores deck because we're in the, the era of Mike Flores, right? Yeah. now, too.
1: No, that that was a so what. What you got to know about Kamigawa block constructed is that the there was basically no mana fixing outside of Secure Tribe Elder and Kadamas Reach. The uh-huh. cycle of dual lands was we're only for so friendly bad. pairs, and it, they could tap for colorless, or they could tap for a mana of one of their pairs. But if they tapped for a colored mana, they wouldn't untap the following turn. Yeah, they were so, unplayable. Yeah, wildly unplayable in every single format. They weren't even playable in limited. What was it? it was Tendo Bridge? What was the target? Tendo Ice Bridge was the best Tindo mana fixing land. It was, uh, yeah. It's a uh, land that comes in with a counter, taps are colorless, or you could tap or move a counter to make a mana of any color. So you got uh-huh. one a one time shot at it. They've, I think, functionally reprinted that card, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, but if you were green and you played four Scourge tribal or four Kadama's Reach, you could play three colors pretty easily. So, every deck in the format was either base green and doing other stuff, mainly the Gifts Ungiven control deck, which was Sultai, or it was mono-colored. So, there was mono white aggro, there was mono black aggro, there was even a mono red deck that wasn't as popular, and there was mono blue control. Um and then the gift deck, there were some other pretty bad decks there was the the blue white legends deck with honorworn shaku yeah, um, I was a, yeah and stuff like that but i i played the mono white deck and like i did okay i lost playing for top 8 in another one where i was 5-1 and couldn't draw in had to play the last round and lost it um in in a close one and after a couple tournaments of playing the mono white deck i was like i'm kind of tired of the mono white deck you know what deck i actually think is really good and it was the Teemer Godo deck. So this was another Sakura Tribe Elder Kadama's Reach deck and sort of a, a pseudo ramp deck. And it played four Kodama of the North Tree. I think it's North is the one that was a two triple green, six four trample shroud. Uh, this is a, you know big, difficult to answer creature. You played four Maloku and you had two Godo Bandit Warlord. It was a Simic deck, Splash and Godo. And you had three GTA that you could find with Godo or if you wanted to go the full combo route, you found Tatsumasa, which was a three to equip and gave plus five, plus five. And like, you could exile it, like flicker it to turn it into a five, five creature. And then the creature you could pay mana to turn back into the equipment. I don't know, Google the card. It does a lot of stuff. But mainly the, the sort of like combo was you had turn one Sakura tribe scout, then turn two, you put a land into play. You got up to three, you could Dama's Reach. Now you have four lands in play. Next turn, you make a land drop, use Tribe Scout again, you have 6 mana on turn 3. So you can play Godo on turn 3, find Tatsumasa, then the next turn, you play land 7, equip Tatsumasa, play Jite from your hand, equip that, that's all 7 mana. Now you have an 8-8 with a Jite on it, that gets to attack twice from its own ability. You attack for 8, get 2 Jitte counters, attack for 8, pump twice, that's 12. So you could 20 someone on turn 4. But you were also you also just had like, you know, powerful creatures you ramped into. Maloku was amazing, especially when you had eight lands in play and you played four sensei's top because you had so many shuffle effects with Tribe Elder and stuff. And then you had some counter spells, Hinder, Hisoka's Defiance, uh, the typical counter spells of that format. And that was basically the deck. Like, I honestly think it was so you have the 12 green cards, the 10 threats, the four equipment, so, and the four top. So that's uh, eight, 18. Uh, thirty, and then it was six blue cards. It was two Ahsoka's Divides, four Hinder, thirty-six, and twenty-four lands. That that mm-hmm. was the deck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, th- I think this deck's really good. We have we had one more PTQ that season that we could go to, and uh, we put the deck together. And it was a it was a Tom Shea PTQ at the old TJ Collectible Store in the middle of the summer, which means it was sweltering hot down there, and you were packed in like sardines. And uh, my round one opponent. Uh, we're sitting there shuffling before the, the match starts and he's talking about how his deck was so good in testing last night. Like he was like super confident. Like, My JJ. deck is great. And he was playing a homebrew gruel deck that uh had both it would ramp into the epic spells from green and red. I'm not I couldn't even tell you what they did. Like the enduring ideal cycle. So he would cast one of them and then you just get to copy that spell each remaining upkeep, but you can't cast any more spells. But he also had like a bunch of the channel creatures. So we get channels and activated abilities. So you can still do things under the epic lock. So it's like a neat idea. You, you, and he played some like a bunch of rares. He had a Rashi and Jawari, the rare channel creatures and a bunch of other stuff. But like, his deck wasn't powerful and wasn't doing good things. And I just rolled over him 2-0. And he's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know how. Like my deck was doing so well. Like what? And he's like, so he's kind of stunned. Like I'm sure he just played like 10 games with his friends and beat up on them that's what PTQs were like. Your round one was basically a buy. Um, hey,
0: hey, if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah if every you're lucky. You get this, Every time you get the sicko matchup, you're like, really? You're <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. you're hoping for the round one buy. You're because like, there I were like 10 of them in the like, field you're, every you're time.
0: Like, you're like, come on. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, I, I'm like reading Brain Burst, which became TCG Player, and, yeah, and Burst, Star City Games shit. at this point. Like, I'm reading mm-hmm. articles and stuff, but like, we don't have nearly the same level, quality yeah. of information, or just like baseline yeah. level of play. Yeah. I remember
0: my earliest remembrance of internet magic was my freshman year of college, so it's 2003, and I remember reading up deck lists for standard blue white control. It was on Star City Games. Yeah, it was with like Eternal Dragon and Exalted Angel, and like yeah, uh, of the Forgotten Gods. Yeah, and like he had Rewind. I think was in the deck, and all kinds of wild shit like that.
1: But yeah, Rewind so, was in Eighth Edition. It got voted in over Dismiss. Yeah. Because Uh they used to let us just vote on cards that could be reprinted in a core set. And that's why uh, Blood Moon is legal in in Modern, by the way. So everybody... Blood Moon got voted in over Dwarven Blast Miner.
0: Yep. Uh, And so I think we're going to end the show pretty soon here because we're going to get into a block we're going to talk a lot about, which is Ravnica City of Guilds. It drastically changed a lot of things. But I I wanted to uh, talk about something that happened to me here. So let's kind of back up a little bit. We talked about what happened in London. I went and looked up the, the days to get the date right. So this was in July of 2005 right? Do you know what month comes after July? Uh,
1: I believe it would be August.
0: It, it is in fact August. Do you know what happened to me in August of that month of that year? No. Uh, Katrina hit Baton Rouge while I was there. Oh so.
1: yeah. Yeah. That's so I remember, a thing. I'm
0: a young college student who just got to play his first pro tour, fly back home, had to like catch up on classes. I get back home and uh, all of a sudden I get hit by the largest natural disaster in U S history. <laughs> so, uh, this is a real fun and crazy time for me and magic drastically changed in our state so much so that we really wanted to go to a pre-release for champions of kamigawa like really badly we had to drive to houston to play in one so like where we went for the the the, yeah. the, the ptq we literally drove four hours to play in a weekend of of uh a ptq Because so i remember very very clearly like one of my friends had a deck where he's like playing red he wasn't playing the red dragon or you say they are like, Why aren't you playing this dragon? He's like, well, it kills all the creatures in my deck. And I just looked at him. I was just like, I just stared at him for a solid couple minutes. And I was just like, we can't, we can be friends. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't talk. And I'm get like, look, look, I understand your point, and it's it's valid. It might be very wrong, but like, I get your point. But yeah, we're gonna get into Champions of Kamigawa because do you still do you still remember the first time? I still remember exactly where I was when I saw the previews for uh Champions of Kamigawa. And, like, seeing the dual Lands... I think Temple Garden was, like... I think, you, I think you it mean was Temple Garden or Sacred Foundry. Temple Garden Sorry. was the first one. Sorry. For Ravnica. What was I saying?
1: Yeah. You were saying was Champions I... of Cop Galaxy. Sure, whatever. Yeah.
0: Uh, for, for Ravnica. And I remember if was, for someone saw Temple Garden or Sacred Foundry, I think it was Temple Garden was first it was, one. It was Temple Garden, it, for sure. It blew my fucking mind. Man. I remember I, I was in... I think it was in Gen Con. And, so, and like, they per, they previewed it while
1: we were there. And I was just like, oh, my I, God. I was at the local store for FNM. Or maybe it was a weekend. I don't know. Like, you know, Friday or Saturday and somebody came in with a printout of it Mm -hmm. you're like that's not real pre-smartphone or whatever and just like puts it down it's like everybody look at the lands that they're printing in in ravnica and we all look over it's like you know has the land types like a dual land you just like pay two life for it to be on tap or like holy crap yeah everybody in the store went nuts
0: and this kind of pays back on you know what you were talking about how the mana fixing in the set before was god awful yeah it's the worst mana fixing
1: of a block i think of all time
0: and then we just get the best that we've ever yeah. had in the very next set they knew that that's kind of why they did this it like reminds me of a few things like um a story i forgot to tell like when i came back to magic for the first time in I told you like i walk in the store and like i haven't you know i haven't seen magic cards and stuff in forever i had gone to a, a, a different store to buy packs but like no one was playing there and then you know the other one where i asked remember the question uh where is the stack remember i was like you know where where is this remember i go to the other store and the guy's like oh yeah the game's changed a lot the guy behind the you know counter is like showing me things in the first card they shows me, I forget this is Spiritmonger. I did not believe it was real, Ross. I was like, "This yeah. is not a real magic card," because like it had, I was like, "Where's the drawback?" Like, there's no drawback because like no card was even remotely close to that good when I played, or or it would be like during your upkeep, sacrifice a land and lose five life, or something. You know, it would just be like ridiculously horrendous uh, drawback kind of thing. But yeah, we'll get into that set quite a bit Kay. because. Uh, Man, it's one of my favorite sets of all time. Yeah,
1: too. we'll start with Ravnica next time. I just want mm-hmm. to finish up the the yeah, story of course. this PTQ. There's... I'm gonna to
0: end the uh, the show. Yeah, because
1: yeah. this is my. Oh, there's
0: more. You, you need to tell me when you you have more. Of these oh If yeah. you, just, you just stop and then later you're like,
1: hold on, I have more. Like, oh no. This is this PTQ is the biggest like magic regret I have. So I'm playing through this PTQ and my deck is just working out gangbusters. Like this go to deck is busted. It's great. Uh, I make the top eight, but in the top eight I run into my worst matchup. So you're, as the ramp deck, your worst matchup was the mono blue deck. You just like didn't have answers to turn two Juicy Apprentice. You know, you're, you you were, s- spent the first three turns ramping and then they just countered everything you played and drew a bunch of cards. It was heinous. And yeah. my we get to I, game I, three, I, 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 I. I managed to win one game and then my opponent just like misses their third land drop in game three for four turns and I win the game. Uh, I get into the top four. I, I, be, I know I beat Mono White in the top four and basically like having played a bunch of PTQs with the Mono White deck and played a bunch with it, I was able to navigate that matchup pretty cleanly. Um, but I make the, I'm in the finals of this PTQ and I'd never even really thought about winning a PTQ. Like I went to these tournaments because I liked playing tournaments, but I didn't really think I was ever going to win one. And um, I like asked my friends, I was like, what PT does this Q for? And it was PTLA that fall. It was like, it, this, is, this is actually August of 05. So, um, and it was that, like, you know, October or something. And you didn't just get a free plane ticket. You got $250 to yeah. help, like, offset the cost of your ticket. Yeah. And that was it. And, like, you know, uh, and so it was 250 because it was a, a domestic. Oh, a pro-tour. domestic one, yeah. If yeah. it was a foreign pro tour, you would get 500
0: Yeah, you actually just made me remember. So, like, you know, my pro tour that a PTQ that I win... You know, I get the full five hundred or whatever, and I remember going home and like telling my parents, you know, because I'm like 17 or 18 at the time, yeah. And like, I'm like, yeah, I, I won this thing where I get to go play in London, and they're like, and I had, I did had have to pay for it myself, you know, or whatever. And they're like, well, we don't want you to go if you're going alone. And it was like really crazy because there was a skew in New Orleans like the next weekend or like you know in two weeks or whatever. So like, my whole crew rose down there, uh, I go as well. You know, it's, it's an hour away, it's a Saturday, whatever. Just go down to New Orleans and not gonna not gonna lie it was kind of nice to you know like the 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 tournament's going on and i'm just walking around people are like why aren't you playing and i'm like oh oh i can't you know i'm not i'm not allowed to play because you know, <laughs> yeah. i because i've won one already six of my friends go all six of them top eight so thankfully <laughs> i was like okay i've got somebody to go to i've got somebody to go to london with and then we had the max sweat like one of the non-six people made the, the final against yeah. and the, he was uh, against the guy named cannon and cannon won and so like we had them go into the purse war together and stuff so like I didn't have to go by myself yeah. or, cause I was going to, my parents were not stopping me. I was going to go, you know, but, well, but I get the 500 bucks and they're like, get to London, have fun. You know, cause that didn't cover even half the ticket. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my situation was a little different because I'm, I'm 15 at the time. Yeah. You're screwed. And yeah. the one thing I knew about, especially my mom is that she was gung-ho about me not missing school for things. Yep. Right. I, she sent me to school when I was in sixth grade with a fever. Because it was standardized Jesus. test day. I took, like, the, the Connecticut mastery test that year with a fever. And, like, after we were done with the test, yeah, th- you, we you had, had like, fever. extra recess. And I just asked to stay inside. The description was...
0: prescription was more equations, all right? Like, it, she's, <laughs> she knew it would make you feel better.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, like, I'm making the finals this PTQ, and I'm just like, I don't think my parents are going to let me go. I don't have a phone. I couldn't, like, borrow a phone. Uh, you know, this is as, like, cell phones are becoming pretty commonplace, but, like, I don't know. For whatever reason, I couldn't call my parents or, like, they didn't pick up maybe. Uh, I, I I couldn't get in touch with them, so I'm like, do I, like, take the risk here um, and, like, try to win, win the PDQ or, or whatever if I can't go? So I was like, no, I shouldn't risk it. I'll, I'll just sell the slot because I'm sure my opponent will want it. And mm-hmm. when we sit down, the first thing my opponent says to me is, I don't want the slot <laughs> because my opponent was, yeah. was Dan Jordan, and he was... Uh, Oh, Dan Jordan. God, I hung out with him a lot when I lived in Vegas. Yeah, I loved Dan yeah. Jordan. Yeah. So fun guy. I was sixteen at this point. I was too old for the JSS, but he was still fifteen. And he didn't want to get his first pro point until he got to sixteen mm-hmm. because he wanted to keep farming the JSS. Yeah. The junior super series for those who are uh I was unaware. also a little too old for that. I never got to compete on that as well. Yeah. I got to play in exactly one qualifier when I was fifteen because I just found out about it, and I lost mm-hmm. in the top eight. Um, to an asshole who tried to, con- he tried to convince my last round opponent to not draw with me in the Swiss when we were both safe, which is highly illegal now. Obviously, uh, yeah. He's and he's not at our table. He's just like leaning over because my opponent was like, you know, even younger than I was and wasn't wasn't sure, but I was very confident. We were both locked. I was right, and I ex- explained it very clearly to my opponent. My <laughs> this guy is just like, no, don't listen to him. You never know. You might as well just play it out. Uh, and I'm just like, shut up, you asshole. Uh, yeah. And then I, of course, lose to him in in the top eight. I was playing Bidding. He was monoret Goblins. And in game three, I kept a the perfect hand. It was three lands, two goblins, gem Home Incinerator as a third goblin, and Oversault Cemetery. He's, your plan in the mirror was to board up Bidding and board in Cemetery and just become a jump Home Incinerator control deck. To cycle jump yeah. on every single turn and the, they couldn't catch up. And I ended that game with all three Oversault Cemeteries in play, three goblets in my graveyard, and however many other cards I had drawn were all lands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. And Yeah. Uh, but we're in the finals of this PTQ, and we're both, like, trying to convince the other person right now, me and Dan Jordan, to take the slot. <laughs> Eventually, he says, like, okay, like, I'll take it. We negotiate a split. And, uh, and you know, we go from there. But I just now, like... If I had like asked my parents, like they would have, they would have let me go on especially because I would have, I could have played the angle of this will look really good on my college applications. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it would have. Um, okay. So yeah, I should have played a pro tour when I was 16 in 2005. It would have been the extended pro tour right after EtherVile got banned where Goblins Dude. was the most played deck, but did terribly. And I would have hundred percent just jammed Goblins because I knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure I would have done very poorly in that pro tour, but yeah. just getting the experience and, you know, whoever I could have like met or whatever would have been great. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyway. Yeah. There, there's, I have some stories from my first pro tour that like, uh, testing for it was wild. Cause like, like I said, I had never done a time draft, like in person, but to get myself ready for the fact, like, so you're 100% not allowed to look at your picks in, in, instead of in, only in between packs. So yeah. like, you take a card, you put it face down, you are not allowed to touch it again. Right. At the pro tour. So what I would do is when we when we when we draft uh, on Magic Online at home to practice, I had a note card taped to the computer screen that would uh, cover where my picks would go, so I would only see the packs, and then I had to just I I trained myself to like memorize like okay, this is what I have in my deck, this is how many creatures I have, and then you know, like a lot of people talk about this too, like you know they'll watch people. Draft from uh you know coverage or whatever, and they'll look at the first pack. You'll see them pick. You know they're going to take this rare, right? Like they open a busted rare and they move it to the front, right? And then they spend a solid forty-five seconds looking at the pack. And people always wonder that, like, dude, we're mapping the pack. We're figuring out like what's most likely to be there. Or sometimes you'll see me shift a pick too. Like my streams have I stream this, I've talked about this a lot. Like in drafting, if like if I was close between this card and another card, let's say it's a white card and a blue card, but there's like a, a likely card that's blue will wheel or a likely card that's white that's will wheel that's playable, I'm going to take that and fight for it, you know, kind of thing, or something like that, and just hope it, hope it works out, that kind of stuff. Or, if it's, like, if there's one good blue card and three good white cards, I'm going to take the blue card and just let the other people on my left.
1: Yeah, just send a better you know. signal.
0: Yeah, send a better signal kind of thing. So there's all kinds of stuff for that and stuff, too. So, like, I had to really learn, like, the nuances more of just, like, opening a pack, looking at it, this card's good, take that one, this card's good, take that one. I had to learn how to, like, draft decks, uh, archetypes, like, things like that, because that started really, really mattering a lot in Magic at this time, you know, Scourge and Legions and all that stuff sort of really, like, brought together a lot of synergy. I didn't play a lot before that. I'm sure Invasion might have had some stuff like that, but, like, once that Legion of Scourge really made people have to start really <laughs> thinking about all
1: their draft base. Invasion was just a... IPA was just about piling a bunch of two-for-ones in your deck and hoping your sure. terrible mana base worked. Because okay. everybody had a terrible okay. mana base. <laughs> I,
0: I remember someone saying something on the Alliance and stuff, so all right did you get everything out of your system for this we can always come kind of back up a little bit on the next show or whatever
1: but no i, I think we're good you know yeah cause i was i was the we're... cocky little kid that beat people yeah. and made them angry and then i, I was cocky yeah, I was yeah. Cocky.
0: <laughs> we're, all, we're we're at almost an hour and a half and like i want to make sure that we give ravnica yeah. it's due because we might we might do like most of the show on ravnica and then yeah. i actually take a little bit of a break after that i take like it gives people a little bit of a uh, a taste i take a little bit of a I kind of retire, quote-unquote retire through some of this. Like, I would play in some local events every now and then, but, like, I wasn't playing very much. I didn't own, like, I didn't have new cards, etc. cetera. Uh, there's, there's a set that comes up where I have one of the biggest finishes of my entire career, and it's the only time I played the set in my life. Literally never played it before, never played it after. Literally only played only played a Grand Prix at this event and a bunch of other stuff, and, like, you know, I didn't play a lot of these sets, so, like, you're going to have to carry a lot of this stuff if you play these oh, sets.
1: I also started playing last... Because when I was in college. So time spiraled back in the car. I just yep. kind of sloped down. So, so yeah, I played.
0: Yeah, yeah I would play here, or there, but like at the time I was playing, you know, like like I said, I was going through college. And then um, also around this time, so sometime about like 2003, 2004. So like right when this came on, uh, like I kind of mentioned here, I got really into online poker at Ross. It was real hard to make me stop playing because the amount of money that we were making was unreal back yeah. then for just sitting there and clicking a button on the screen because this was like the height of it. This is when like poker was all over television. And if you wanted to play online poker you just put your credit card information in and like you know kids were like getting their parents credit cards if like people were just there was so much money ross and it was so easy to get to get the money on and off and like i was missing so much school like i was sleeping four hours a night because i was just playing 20 hours of poker a day and so it was it was it was nuts like my girlfriend at the time kind of hated it even though she liked the fact that like I was always available if you wanted to do something, and I always had a ton of money. You know, she's like, oh, "This <laughs> yeah. is great," but I'm like, "Yeah, but you have to go with
1: the other part of it too." So, yeah, it, come, it comes with some trade offs. I always yeah. just, I found, I didn't have the patience to play poker. Like, I couldn't yeah. sit there for ten hours, you also, know, folding sixty percent of my hands. And... Sure.
0: I also, I think that you would be good at some parts of the game and good against some people, but I think as soon as you got against people who were like well studied in the game you would get abused quite a bit because i think you're too mathematical is the problem and like it's good to be mathematical obviously but like we had, we had a player in my group like we would all play poker against each other too as well we had a player in my group that's very much you right yeah he's like a math degree like uh he's a phd in math like all this kind of crazy stuff but like it was so funny too because like he wouldn't get it while he kept losing at poker he's like i know all the odds i know all the stuff and i'm just like yeah but like you're a bitch <laughs> like <laughs> you be, like you know what I mean like you would just fold a lot because it's like correct for you to fold the situation when like you're not paying it you know what I mean like you're not paying attention to some of the right you, you get what I'm saying I'm not gonna go into like yeah poker minutiae here but I just like you didn't know, understand that the game was more than just the math and stuff involved as well so like yeah it's really fun I, I kind of wish I knew you back then I, I'm trying to remember when I started like becoming aware of you I think it's like when I came back to magic quite a bit yeah, like, I mean nobody pool... was
1: aware of me until twenty fourteen. Probably yeah, like
0: that when I started Yeah, I watched a lot of coverage before I got back into it yeah. as well. Like you too, might so. have
1: like seen me a few times. Twenty twelve was the first year I started playing so, a lot of SCGs. I
0: do remember the long haired Ross with the ICE import settings. Yes, it was ice, imports, ice imports, yeah. Shirts. Yeah, I remember that. So, so. like
1: I, I was I was sort of like a minor name that, that would come up because I won a lot. And then yeah. twenty fourteen is when I started becoming one of the better players on the SCG tour and started writing for SCG. So 2014 yeah. is, the, is the year where people really started knowing who I was.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into there as well when we get to those years, because there's some year where, like, in sometime in there, I'll, I'll know when the sets come up where I started getting the exposure. I used to make the joke that I was the most overexposed player in the world. Yeah. Like, per result, because I had, like... I had results from, you know, this era of my life, which we'll get into because there's, there's, there's a big one coming up and stuff that's a really good story. That'll be on might be on the next show because it's just past Ramonica block. It's when we get just past uh it's when we get to like the lower one block. So we'll, we'll get into that yeah. on the next show. But Everybody thanks for listening to us go down memory lane and really talk about what magic was like in these days and what life was like. You know I didn't really want to harp on it too much of like what happened in you know 2005 for me and how crazy of a year that was. You know I qualified for my first pro tour. I'm in college. I have like a you know long term girlfriend or whatever. I'm like I'm in a terrorist attack and then been I mean, uh we call it uh um,
1: natural disaster a
0: natural disaster literally like very soon i mean it was just it was just nuts just an absolute nuts time so but thanks for listening everybody i think that's gonna be it for us this week hopefully we have time to do this, uh, this i I a feeling like over the holidays it's gonna be pretty easy like next episode we're gonna talk a lot about the atlanta rc leading yeah. up to it because like there's some cool things going on in the format we'll see how if it's actually good this weekend with the results we'll talk about those cards that are in, in decks that are uh that are making do and if we have a time let's say it only you know takes 30 minutes or whatever on the show maybe we can backfill an hour or just make another episode like right after that of this kind of stuff we'll just release it as two episodes or something like that but everybody at home thanks for listening ross thanks for putting up with me for this episode ditto (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening bye